So it's that time of year again, although it may not feel like it. Um, the winter chill descends upon Wellington and it's time to hit the film theatres and discover some of the best films from around the world and hopefully some little gems from beautiful Aotearoa as well. Um, so we're um, extremely lucky to have um, Bill Gosden uh, joining us from uh, the New Zealand International Film Festival. Welcome, Bill. Kia ora. Hello. Thanks for coming in today. Um, I, I guess the, the obvious opening question when I was kind of figuring out what I was going to ask you is like, how did it all start? But I actually thought, is there, um, is there a film that you can cite from way back that was the one that kind of got you interested in films as a, as a thing? I was, I think it was, I can't really cite a particular film. When I was growing up in Dunedin, we didn't go to the pictures that often. Um, my parents weren't wealthy people. My father was a engine driver uh, for the railways at a time when half of New Zealand worked for the railways, I think. And um, we went to the school, we went to the movies precisely twice every school holidays. And it meant much more to me than it meant to my brother and sister, that's for sure. I was very excited about mm. it. And I just fell in love with the romance of those old cinemas. I mean, I even thought the ushers were glamorous when mm. I was a little boy. I can remember an usher with a beehive hairdo who sat and knitted through the films. I just thought she was <laughs> the most marvellous creature. Um, there was a kind of glamour about the old movie palaces too. Um, and one of the things that really... I feel enormously proud of is the fact that the film festival's been quite instrumental mm. in keeping several of those movie palaces um, operating as movie palaces, not least the Regent Theatre in Dunedin, which is um, a cinema which I associate with a lot of the earliest films I saw, but also wow. the Civic in Auckland, um, which would probably be solely a live theatre if it weren't for um, the film festival's continue, continuing presence there. Um, and the embassy too, to some degree, we have a long association with the embassy and that um, we definitely saw that um, venue through some very, very sad years and mm. um, we were, along with uh, Peter Jackson, who came on side very early on in the piece, um, really had a major hand in um, keeping people in Wellington conscious of the need to save that amazing venue. Wow. Do you think there's some um this this now we're now safe from from that because I, I mean I obviously my accents from the UK and and actually we lost a lot of our independent cinemas and theaters um in the smaller towns. Do you think because I think well it's one of the things that makes Wellington special is the this. embassy is a really special case and um um event cinemas are the primary tenants there and as long as their tenancy is secure and as long as they are committed to running that cinema, which is not a typical kind of movie chain venue. Um, and I think the development of the two little cinemas downstairs has really, mm. really helped that. Mm. Um, so the maintenance of a primary tenant in that um, location is absolutely, absolutely vital to its continuing viability. Mm. I mean, the film festival can't do that in 17 mm. days, unfortunately. Mm. Mm. But the fact is that the council um, bought the building back in 2003 um, from the Embassy Theatre Trust. I was part of that trust, and there was no way that the trust was actually going to be able to raise the funds to make that possible. The council really had to move in quite late on the piece to secure yeah. the venue for the, uh, the world premiere of the last of the Lord of the Rings movies. So mm. that that all came together and it's the Wellington City Council's maintenance of that building is uh, something I personally feel very grateful to the Wellington yeah, City good. Council yeah. for. 
Good reminder, Wellington. Yeah, mm. yeah. And so you, you touched, you said you're originally from Dunedin, but you moved to Wellington and um, initially involved in the Wellington Film Festival? Uh, when I moved to Wellington, I moved here to work for an independent film distribution company called New Zealand Film Services. Their office was in Kent House, which is immediately adjacent to the Embassy Theatre. So I like to say that during my career, I've moved 40 metres to the <laughs> north. <laughs> nice. Um, and they... Um, they were um, an independent distribution company, so I learned a great deal in that company about how the whole business worked. And um, the film society who ran the Wellington Film Festival were tenants of um, New Zealand Film Services, so I knew the people who were running the film um, society, and I would hang out. Hang, I just hang around them <laughs> because I, their whole world was um, much more. Um, enticing to me than the kind of films that we were handling at um, film services. And um, when the administrator of the festival um, resigned um, for romantic reasons, I think she was off to the UK, and um, I applied for the job and I really had to plead for the job because my typing skills, you know, I'm of that generation um, (laughs) where smart people didn't learn to type. Uh, because they would have someone else who did it for them. And suddenly I was the um, um, the smart person who couldn't type, and that uh, that was the major obstacle really? to getting wow. the job, I understand. <laughs> but I managed to persuade them I was the man. And the fact that I had picked up all this knowledge about independent um, distribution um, meant that I came in there and I could immediately um, let them know that some of the deals they were doing to secure venues and films um, weren't really in their best interests. That they weren't, um, that you know, that they they weren't being treated with the respect they deserved, mm. and um, that helped enormously to um, secure my place there. And essentially, um, I've worked for the same employer ever since. I mean, the 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 uh, the shape of the employer has changed a lot, but there are people who are still on the festival board who were. Um, back on the Film Society um, board way, right. b- way back then in the um, early 80s. Yeah, and it, it, so it steadies the ship a bit. But um, wow. uh, And the journey with the festival, for, so from when it was Wellington Film Festival, um, you were involved in the amalgamation that then became New Zealand International Film Yeah, Festival. it wasn't quite that fast in terms of the name, but the actual um, there were some real holdouts in the organisation about maintaining the names of the separate um, festivals. Uh, and I would find that quite exasperating my kind of with my marketing hat on, finding that there was a different way of referring to exactly the same phenomenon in every mm. town. And people would say the film festival, small t, small f, small f, and that would really annoy me. Um, but it wasn't until really quite recently um, that everybody in the organisation was on board to uh, entitle the venture the New Zealand International Film Festival. Mm. Um, and I'm really pleased that that name sticks, and it's you, you know now I see that everywhere. No more small f's. No. Mm. <laughs> is Wellington still the is it still, or is it the hub of that, or is it still it's, driven it's, from it's here? A, yeah, it is. Mm. Um, it's uh, festival HQ. We are in fact in the Embassy Theatre. Mm. You know that row of square windows along the top of the facade. Oh yeah, that's yeah. us. We're behind there, um, and there's a lot of people crammed into that relatively small office at the moment. Um, the festival has always been incredibly well supported in Wellington. I mean, last year we enjoyed 75,000 admissions in this town and 
that's, I mean, on a per capita basis, that's absolutely stunning. And we're, I mean, today um, our bookings are already 4,000 ahead of the same day next year. So I don't know where that can lead. We'll run out of tickets to sell at some (laughs) point. Um, But at the moment, you know, there's this amazing impetus going into the festival um, with still a week of um, advanced sales to go. So um, it's looking like another very strong year here in Wellington. I see. Um, and where, where can people, just quick, we'll do the obvious one, where, where can people buy those advanced tickets? And the best thing to do is go online. I mean, we're enormously proud mm. of our um, our website. We've spent a lot of money developing that. Mm. Um, and you can buy tickets directly from the site. Uh, there are all kinds of wonderful things about that. If you're buying um, 10 tickets in the same price code, the prices into the the our um, ticketing system automatically reduces the price, so you get a discount for buying 10 of the, at the same price. Oh, good. Um, it's um, it's very smart. <laughs> Not can... many things do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, um, um, I, think, I think the ticketing, the fact that we have this great ticketing system in um, Wellington is definitely something that accounted for our big success last year. Um, in other centres... Um, we're working with venues have, who have exclusive ticketing deals with corporate ticketers who are not nearly as agile in terms of mm. looking after the needs of a film festival as we can be when we identify our own needs and structure a um, s- selling site accordingly. But the website's also, um, I think, enormously helpful for manipulating and manoeuvring your way around the program uh, because you can just by using the various links that we suggest, completely ignore the films that might not mean anything Mm. to you. Mm. Whereas if you're making your way through the publication, um, you're confronted, you turn a page, four more films, five more films, six more films. Um, I think the website, there are many more intuitive ways um, of um, manoeuvring your way through the program and finding the films that you would really like to see. Uh, Mm. There's nothing print can do to quite um, replicate uh, what we used to be able to do in that way. Mm. Mm. I must say, though, the film festival book is always a great joy to, yeah. to come across every year. Well, we're very proud of it and we um, we put a lot of work into it and we're really dismayed whenever we hear about um, a, a, a typo. <laughs> three, three, <laughs> how's You're this hard. for elitism? Three, three of our... Three of our proofreaders last year were nominated for New Zealand Book Awards. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a very high standard of proofreader. Yeah. <laughs> and so what's the role of the um, the festival towards the New Zealand film industry? And is is there a is there a balancing act there of, of making sure you represent New Zealand well amongst the festival or Yeah, I think so. I think we I think it's essential that the New Zealand International Film Festival provides platform for New Zealand filmmakers Um, and it's interesting when I look at the New Zealand films we're screening on the program that several of these films I think have made very specifically for a New Zealand audience. Um, The film that we're opening with, um, Poye, um, it's conceivable that that film will find audiences and festivals outside New Zealand but I can't imagine it having any significant kind of commercial run anywhere except in New Zealand where the film is just going to mean so much to people um, it's an extremely charming and very informative film as well I mean it's there are so many layers that Te Arapa deals with of 
factors that went into the success of that song and it's all elucidated so clearly and with such good humour in the mm. film. Um, but it's a film that is made for New Zealand audiences. And I'd say the same thing about um, The Fifth Eye, the film that Errol Wright and Abby King-Jones have made about the GCSB. It's a film that sets out in a quite activist way to inform people, to give a kind of global and rather full account of where New Zealand, the surveillance of New Zealand citizens fits into the bigger picture of our country's relationship with um, our friend across the Pacific. Mm. Um, it's very clear about that, and but it, um, yes, it clarifies, it would clarify things for a lot of people who I think are just so overwhelmed by the Kim.com involvement mm. and just kind of don't want to think about it. Yeah, the message. But it's a film that's very much for New Zealanders. And um, I think Jan and Luke Bering have, Bering has filmed the, the Heart of the Matter. Yes. About the enlightened education policies um, around art and mm. arts practice that were originated by the post-war government in New Zealand. Um, a really fascinating film and for any baby boomer irresistible because it's full of amazing colour footage of New Zealand kids at school in the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for myself in there. <laughs> but to see that stuff come back to life in colour was just kind of gobsmacking for me, but also right. to understand the way that the the school art room had developed. And those were, um, you know, I can remember going to high school in the 60s, the art room was just this fabulous other planet that you walked into, and it was full of children's mm. art and... Um, the rules were completely different there. So all the the policy and the thinking and advocacy that went into creating those programs is very clearly uh, delinea delineated in the heart of the matter. Um, yeah, these are films that are very much made for a New Zealand audience, mm. and the film festival, I think, is a perfect platform for those films. And you would hope that they would have some... Well, these days, I think it's inevitable that they will have some kind of life online and people will ultimately be able to access them. But to be able to see them um, with a crowd, filmmakers present, the conversation mm. that ensues involving the filmmakers... Um, with activist films, there's always a bit of grandstanding goes on amongst the audience as well. <laughs> That's not always so much fun, especially when you're up the front trying to moderate the discussion. <laughs> but don't want things to get awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Very brave. Though. Yeah, but Very it's a great brave. part of the the festival. I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned they're being made for New Zealand audiences. Is there defining characteristics in the New Zealand filmmaking? And is it is there stuff that you notice of the ones that really make it out of New Zealand and to the rest of the world that get engaged by the rest of the world that that have something extra? Or is there something that the world looks to and sees as New Zealand? I think that's changing. And, I mean, I think Taika um, Waititi has obviously made mm. quite a difference to that because um, a lot of people in the kind of critical cinephile world um, – Took a lot of uh, paid a lot of attention to what we do in the shadows, mm. but it played in niche kind of art house kind of settings in North America. Um, but Hunt for the Wilder People is going so much wider, and it's going so much wider in Australia. And there's not a lot of New Zealand films that really take off in Australia, despite the large number of New Zealanders <laughs> living there. <laughs> but there's something there's something about Taika's sensibility that's obviously communicates across borders because a lot of 
seeing that film with a New Zealand audience would be quite different from seeing it with a US audience because mm. that film is full of people we know and love. Yeah. You know, and so, so as, as soon as you um, see some of those people appear on screen for the first time, there's just that kind of recognition and the pleasure of re- recognition, whereas for an American audience, um, these are kind of oddball South Pacific people such as they've never seen before. And that has a certain charm. With an oddball point of view. And I saw that film um, has just become one of the top 100 must-sees. Was that today? That's in the international movie. (laughs) (laughs) You're not... Tomato's cousin. um, IMDB. Exciting for New Zealand. Highly reliable guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any... um, I mean, I guess, yeah, what we do in the shadows, I always thought, um, as somebody who... Uh, whilst I have got an English accent, I do love Wellington. I've lived here a while, and it's something I identified with as, as a Wellingtonian, and I liked all the niche Karori zombie references and all that. <laughs> yeah. But um, is there any films in the in the in the festival that Wellingtonians should should keep a lookout for? Yeah, um, I think you're nudging me in the direction. Of <laughs> yes. Very leading question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Chronosthesia. Um, uh, Hayden J. Wheels. Um, Film, which is a rom com with a kind of back to the future ish sci fi twist, mm. a kind of little time travel twist in it. But essentially, it's a rom com um, in which uh, Hayden, who not only wrote and directed and edited the film, also stars as um, the romantic lead. <laughs> he's not a shy guy, no. good, good. Um, but he's immensely charming. And so um, is uh, everybody else in the film, which includes um, Julian Dennison. So I saw, saw a, an earlier cut of um, Chronesthesia before um, Julian Dennison became um, world famous. Um, so that's, um, that's always fun to see these actors before mm. they became world famous. Yeah, pop up. And what's what what is what's the um, what's special about that film? Um, one thing that's really remarkable is that it makes Wellington look like the Riviera. <laughs> of, it's it's like um, the Pahutakawas always seem to be in flower. <laughs> um, the um, the sunlight sort of s- s- glitters off the um, gently breaking surf. Everyone loves at the beach. Um, its view of Wellington is uh, rose tinted, to put it mildly. It made me want to move there. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess this show is, you know, this show is linked a little bit to community, and we have quite a bit of a focus on the environment. That's partly because because the we things we do. Yeah, we can't yeah. help it. But um, is it? Yeah, is there an uh, environmental film you'd you'd have a pick for? And... Yeah, definitely. Well, there's some. Um, there's several. I think one of the most informative ones. Um, is a film called When Two Worlds Collide. Mm. Um, it is a very potent um, film where the filmmakers um, were up close for a long time with Alberto Pizango, who was the, an activist um, in Peru mm. um, trying to pr- protect the um, Peruvian Amazon forest from the depredations of developers and from his own government in particular. And it's a film about how effectively the government demonized him and turned him into public enemy number one. Um, And the film is made from pretty much from within his camp, but it also uses a lot of news footage. Um, And I think it's a very instructive film for any activist Mm. who um, goes up against the powers that be. He's a really inspiring and impressive character. 
Um, so I think that was the film that actually moved me the most in that in that domain this year. Right, right, mm. good, good. But um, you should probably also look at Tomorrow, the French um, documentary, which is, goes out of its way to be um, probably a more more uplifting, mm. more optimistic view of um, ways in which people can make a difference. Right. Um, this we, film we was co-directed by the French actress um, Melanie Laurent. Um, and when I heard that, um, I felt a little bit cynical about her. Okay, here's another film star turning herself into the poster girl for environmental activism. Right. But actually the film is very impressive. Um, and she travels to several places in the world um, and interviews people who are working quite effectively um, to make change. What's especially encouraging about that film is its enormous success in France. It was a huge right. success in France. Lots and lots and lots of people saw it in France and it won awards in France. So it's only just right. making its way outside France now. Great. I think we need a few uh, B-sides, B-side sittings at these films yeah, yeah. there, Ellie. Yeah, I'm keen. I'm mm, keen. They both yeah. sound great. Thank you, Bill. Um, I don't know how much time we have, <laughs> but I've got kind of a big question, in, and it's kind of related to the environmental films, in that have you ever, over the years, have you ever seen a film at the festival that's had kind of more of an impact on New Zealand society than just kind of spending two hours in a theatre or something that's really spread a little bit beyond that? Um, I think um, An Inconvenient Truth had that effect wherever mm. it went, including New Zealand. I think that's probably the most obvious one. Um, I think, I don't know that Errol and Abby's um, film Operation 8 had the immediate effect that it deserved to have, but mm. I think it was an enormously clarifying film mm. about the Uruwera raids and a film that is completely vindicated by everything that has happened since then. Mm. I was quite um, amazed to see the New Zealand Herald refer to it as the definitive film about the Uruwera raids. Right. Um, it's not exactly what they said when the film came when out. Came <laughs> but, you know, that even that kind of revision, revision, revisionist accolade for the film um, gave me a little bit of satisfaction. So I think, um, yeah, I think there are a lot of films on the program that can, um, can help inform and, and clarify people's thinking mm. without, you know, immediately changing the world. Mm. But definitely An Inconvenient Truth was a film that had a massive uh, effect um, all over the world. It really uh, made people stop and think. Mm. Mm. Definitely a, a big line in the sand for me, that one. Yeah. Are we, are we out of time? Well, we? I, I have one question, yeah, if that's okay, Bill. Um, Wellington and the, you know, we were talking about the, the festival being a festival in Wellington, but what is it that, that Wellingtonians do, the way that they attend, the way they've made it so successful? Could, could you identify or tell us what you think that is? Yeah, I think there's several things to consider. Um, it's much easier for people in Wellington to go to the film festival. It's the nature of the city. Mm. Um, parking is not as easy or as inexpensive as it um, ought to be or once was. Yes. Um, but it's still infinitely a more accessible city than Auckland. Um, so people can be much more dilettantish about their attendance. Right. One thing I've noticed from doing Q&As with the same films in Auckland and Wellington is that the Auckland audience is often much more intense and focused, whereas the... 
Wellington audience is perhaps a little bit more relaxed, right? Because it hasn't been such an effort to get there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, not they, they're, they're, they're not wanting every second to pay <laughs> yeah. the way it, it sometimes feels in Auckland. I mean, I have to say that in Auckland, it can lead to some very interesting um, Q and A's mm. and you know confrontations between audiences and filmmakers, which aren't always um, necessarily amiable. Um, but, you know, lively and stimulating. Um, so I think that accessibility is very important. Right. Um, I think there's something about the nature of the city, um, the number of diplomats here, um, the university population. So there's a, um, and it is a small city full of people who do look outwards. Mm. Um, so um, they look outwards for st- stimulation. They're not, um, they're not kind of just looking at their own patch. So I think uh, that's something that I also say about the audience in Dunedin. Right. Um, and not so much about the audience in Christchurch or the audience in Auckland. Um, and to hark back to the ticketing system, I think that our ticketing system here is like <laughs> genius. Yeah. Now, having said that, it'll probably crash tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, um, it's, um, it makes buying tickets as easy um, as... It's it's what people are kind of used to in online shopping, and I do think that makes a difference. That there's um, people can buy quite impulsively, yeah, um, and it's very very smooth and easy. So I think those are are three factors. Do you think I've missed out? Am I overlooking anything there about Wellingtonians? I like I like the Wellingtonians being out with. I, I think that yeah, yeah I've heard that good. a bit lately, and yeah. it makes me feel really good to live here yeah. to think that we are looking out. So yes, I, I love that. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, Bill. Um, I think Pleasure. we could sit here another another twenty minutes, an hour or so. But um, yeah, we've got Laurie's interview to come. But thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank Great you, time. Bill, and um, happy film festival, <laughs> international there. film festival, everybody. <laughs> Enjoy Wellington. Don't miss out.
Welcome back to B-Side Stories, Access Radio 